0: Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Melville. All right, good day, Tokers and toquettes and
2: non-Toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, April 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And I am coming to you live and direct from somewhere outside the outskirts of Greenville, South Carolina. That's right, Greenville, G-R-E-E-N-V-L. Greenville, South Carolina, glad to be here. My first time ever uh, streaming from the Palmetto State, and uh, really great to be here. Guests of my good friend Big Daddy Fink from 420radio.org. Make sure you check out his funk show every week live on 420radio.org, Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rink. That's coming to you live on uh, Friday nights at uh, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Pacific Time. Great stuff if you love the old 70s and 80s blues funk soul r&b disco thing and uh great friends great folks i'm uh, hanging out here with other activists who are driving their way down from north carolina making their way back to georgia so we are just hanging out here having ourselves a good time in greenville or outside of greenville we're not actually in Greenville, but uh, I've been everywhere this uh, past couple of weeks. I just got back from Eugene, Oregon at the Oregon marijuana business conference. We got some highlights from that conference just took place Sunday and, uh, just as a little aside, I had the greatest time because uh, I was coming out of the lobby, making my way to the uh, party, the after party, uh, Sunday night. And Alex Rogers, who hosts and uh, runs the event, said, would you like to share a cab? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Let's share a cab. And uh, I, he was there with a, another couple that was standing there. And as we're getting in the cab, the fifth person to join us in the cab was Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong was highlighting the event and... uh Got in the cab with me. So here I am taking a cab ride with Tommy Chong. That's all right. <laughs> and we get to the wow hall and, uh, Alex and the other couple went inside first to make sure to set everything up for Tommy to make sure that, you know, there was a line and people could sign stuff and whatever. And so there I am just standing on the sidewalk in Eugene, Oregon with Tommy Chong, just the two of us just hanging out. And, uh, I snapped a quick selfie. I asked him, can I take a selfie? He's, he's a very nice man said, sure. Got my selfie and uh, escorted Tommy Chong into the wow hall. So just kind of chit-chatting with him along the way. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got some interviews from that event coming up today on the show. We're going to talk with the very wonderfully named Cat Belleville from Dispensing Business Solutions. Uh, it's so rare that I ever meet anyone with my last name. So that was a real joy for me. Also, we spoke with Leanna Galuli from the Arcview Group. She's going to give us some data in Drug War Data Mining about the investment uh, numbers on the marijuana industry. And then in our activist agenda, we sat down for an extended interview with Sam Clowder. He's with the Brownie Mary Democrats, uh, the Democratic organization in the state of California. We talked about legalization and what's happening there in the Golden State. And we'll wind things up in the Radical Rant segment. I got to speak with Brett Phelps from Students for Sensible Drug Policy. He's out of New Mexico. Talk to him on the four twenty event in New York City at four twenty PM. So I thought it was appropriate that we play that back on today's show. And then coming up in hour two, Toker Talk Radio, it's me versus the Joker. That's right, Batman versus Joker, Radical Russ versus Kevin Sabet coming up in hour two. I attended his presentation at the United Nations at their General Assembly special session on drugs and crime, and we didn't get to go head to head because, well, He's Kevin Sabet and has all the connections, and I'm just little old radical Russ. But I'm going to play back what he had to say, and then give you my take on it as if it were a debate. So the nice thing is, is he doesn't get to follow up. <laughs> all that's coming up on the Russ Belville Show. Also, cannabis radio news coming up next. Lots of headlines to get to, so stay tuned.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com.
1: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
4: Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis
5: Radio.
1: You know, about
4: this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet
5: the tommy chung podcast only on cannabisradio.com. welcome to my world
0: world, world. the russ bellville show providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009 when you are starting
2: up a medical cannabis business you want a fired up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
0: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News.
2: This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 26, 2016. United Nations, the first U.N. General Assembly special session to address global drug policy in nearly 20 years, heard major differences on the approach to drug use. Canada's Health Minister, Jane Philpott, announced that the government will introduce legalization to, of marijuana next spring. Jamaica's Foreign Minister, Kamina Johnson-Smith, told delegates that the government amended the Dangerous Drugs Act last year to give tickets for possession of less than two ounces of cannabis instead of making it a felony offense, and to legalize the sacramental use of marijuana by Rastafarians. It also established provisions for the medical, scientific, and therapeutic uses of the plant, she said. On the tough enforcement side, Indonesia's ambassador Rahmat Budiman said a, quote, zero-tolerance approach, end quote, is needed to suppress and eliminate the scourge of drugs. Like Indonesia, Iran opposes a death penalty on drug traffickers. Iran's Justice Minister, Abdul Reza Rahmani Fasli, told the High-Level Meeting that the Islamic Republic has spent billions of dollars in its campaign against armed drug traffickers. (sighs) Denver, Colorado. Denver's 421 marijuana businesses now have a permanent lock on the industry. The Denver Post reports that the city council voted Monday to make permanent an ordinance grandfathering marijuana shops and grow sites that already exist. The vote meant that pot shops in Colorado's largest city must have been licensed before recreational pot was legalized in 2012. Denver's marijuana industry joined with parents groups and neighborhood groups to push for a permanent extension of the grandfathering requirement, saying the city has enough pot shops and doesn't need more. The measure allows pending license applications to go through before the caps are set, meaning the city could see 45 more grow sites or shops. However, the bill requires reducing grow locations by 15 over time. Des Moines, Iowa... An Iowa medical marijuana bill that would have expanded Iowa's medical marijuana law failed Monday night in the Republican-controlled House, amid criticisms that it didn't create a clear way for patients to access the drug. The chamber voted 31 to 63 to turn down a proposal that would have expanded the list of medical conditions that make people eligible for possession of cannabis oil. A 2014 law legalized cannabis oil for certain patients, but left them nowhere to buy it. The House proposal would have expanded the list of medical conditions eligible to apply for a card that allows possession of the oil, which has little of the hallucinogenic chemical that makes a person high. The bill would have also created a task force to evaluate aspects of the bill. It would not have created an in-state manufacturing system. Montpelier, Vermont. Vermont House Speaker Shap Smith is expressing doubt about whether marijuana legalization will pass this year. Smith's Smith tells the Associated Press there are several ways the measure could die. The Senate in February passed a bill legalizing possession of up to an ounce by people 21 and older. The bill now is being reviewed by its third House committee. The first two, Judiciary and Ways and Means, disagree on whether pot should be legalized. Smith says he can't recall a previous time in his eight years as Speaker when a bill came to the House floor with two committees that had reviewed it directly opposed on its most important provision. If the House can pass a bill, differences would have to be worked out with the Senate. Concord, New Hampshire Senate lawmakers on Thursday rejected an effort to remove criminal penalties for possessing small amounts of pot, leaving New Hampshire as the only New England state without some form of marijuana decriminalization. This isn't the first time decriminalization advocates have been disappointed. The House has passed decriminalization measures several times in recent years, only to see it routinely rejected by the upper chamber. The Senate's 14 to 10 vote didn't fall neatly along party lines. Republican Representative Adam Schroeder, the bill's prime sponsor, said the Senate's vote demonstrates a disconnect between lawmakers' views and what voters want. Polling consistently shows a majority of New Hampshire residents support legalizing marijuana, a step that goes even further than decriminalization. But opponents of decriminalization say changing state policy would send the wrong message as the state battles an opioid crisis. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 26, 2016. I'm Russ
5: Bellville. more flavor. Hey, this is Willie Nelson, for Normal.
0: And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana
5: responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact normal at morml.org or call toll-free 888
0: you're tuned into the Russ belleville Show, the voice of the Marijuana Nation, only on cannabisradio.com.
2: Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at FingerboardExtension.com.
0: The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Welcome back, everyone, to the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference here
2: in Eugene, Oregon. And I'm joined at the desk by someone who's got the coolest name. Her name is Kat Belleville. (laughs) Hi, Kat. How are you doing?
7: It's so nice to meet you, Russ. Oh, my gosh.
2: We are are Stereo Bellevilles.
7: (laughs) We are. This is awesome.
2: (laughs) We were just uh, talking with each other because it's so rare that we find someone with our last name, even though yours is spelled the old French way, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's great that you stopped here because not only do we have the same last name, but we're also in the same industry. Yep. You're involved with. Um Dispensing Business Solutions? Correct. Tell us all about that.
7: So, um, my husband and I actually have a lot of uh, business solutions that we can offer, but really just helping to you know crack any codes that need to be cracked for um, anybody in the marijuana industry, specifically dispensaries. Mm-hmm. We saw a huge, huge um, issue about three years ago with credit card processing and banking specifically, yeah. and we set, it up, set out to just engineer and do whatever we could, put the puzzle pieces together, put the right people together, and and um, through networking and relationships, we actually have found some incredible, incredible people that we partnered with and have been in a pilot program for about two and a half years. Um, and we're finally able to um, actually go, go public with it. So just in the wow. last couple of weeks, it's really exciting.
2: So uh, this, of course, is uh, related a lot to all that. You know, IRS 280E and the financial uh, regulations that prevent these industries from being able to do standard banking practices. Correct. So what are some of the things that you offer uh, that help those people out to get around those things?
7: That's a really good question. So one of the things that we did, we did a lot of just groundwork and creating relationships with with local banks, for example. We have a handful of those. Um, Also just creating, you know, long-term banking solutions for maybe even offshore accounts, depending on what people are needing. Here in Oregon, it's interesting because it's all dependent on the county that the person lives in, and is there a local bank in the county that they can can actually offer solutions? So we've created relationships with the banks in Oregon that actually do allow that, and then any of the counties that don't offer that, um, we have offshore options.
2: Why why is this a county-by-county
7: thing? That's a really good question. And, and it's, it's, it's weird how it is, but it has to do with the, where the banks are actually able to operate. Okay. So if the banks that are actually offering solution are, solutions are in a specific county and they aren't able to go across county lines for whatever reasons, maybe their jurisdiction isn't you know big enough or whatever, but that it's basically um, based on what the bank is able to actually yeah. do in the counties that they actually serve. Is,
2: is this based on Oregon state banking laws then? Yes. Okay. So the feds aren't, this isn't a fed
7: issue. Correct. Okay. Because it's credit unions, ultimately, okay. that we're talking about, okay. which is also why any of the, um, you know any of the counties that don't have a solution, you know, who might be doing something offshore or whatever, but which is a little bit more expensive, but at least it's a stopgap because anybody who's actually offering credit card, you know, processing in their dispensary is going to increase their revenue by up to 60%. Sure. That's an industry standard. So that's exciting.
2: Yeah. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon Governor Kate Brown recently signed a bill having to do with Oregon State Banking and the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? And if so, does it affect your plans any?
7: Um, Yeah, no, it's actually really exciting because what that means is that um, ultimately there's going to be uh, it's going to be open for everybody here in a hot minute once everything is actually on board, um, and it doesn't affect us in any way because what's really cool about what we're doing—we're the first to be able to actually go out and offer a solution to not just Oregon, but to quite frankly any state that has a dispensary. Um, and so it's it's going to be awesome for us to actually have some competition because it's actually not going to really be any competition in our opinion because we've already been doing it for sure. the last two and a half years. So, um, but we're excited to see what that's going to look like to you know get. Options to the people, but ultimately, what we're here to do is to create relationships. We want long-standing business relationships, and ultimately, where this came from was a desire to just help create security for the dispensaries. So.
2: All right. So how did you find yourself in this industry? What, what <laughs> brought you here?
7: Oh, well, okay. That's funny because what what has happened originally, my husband and I were in the alternative health industry. Okay. So we were stress reduction specialist for many, many years. His mother's a naturopath here in Eugene. Um, my father's a physician. So we have that healthcare background. Um, and so because of just the healthcare component, that was something that was incredibly interesting um, to us. We just have a huge love for the industry because of that. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle on the medical side Um, and so because of our business that we have which is actually with business solutions with you know we do things like you know internet and home phones and cell phones and that kind of stuff. So offering services to businesses and individuals. Um, we were already working with credit card processing. We already understood how the industry worked. And when we saw that there was a huge need in this industry, we saw an opportunity to kind of, hey, let's research this. What does this look like? Why is this such a big issue? We had a lot of questions. We saw a huge problem. And all we wanted to do was help solve the problem. So, um yeah, that's how we got into it—is just seeing a problem and seeing, an, you know, an opportunity to really make a difference and be in contribution to this amazing cannabis community.
2: Well, fantastic. Well, Kat, tell folks uh, any contact info they need to get in touch with your uh, organization, your business here, dispensing business solutions.
7: Yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, call me or you can even text me um, on my cell phone, and my number is five four one six zero three eight seven two five. Again, that's five four one six zero three eight seven two five, or you can also email Email me at livingwelldynamics at gmail.com. That's livingwelldynamics at gmail.com.
2: All right. Cat Belleville, thanks for joining us here on the Russ Belleville Show. Oh,
7: my gosh. Thank you so much, <laughs> Russ. It's so nice to just meet family right yeah, here.
2: No, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. We'll go back to the uh, Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. <laughs> <gasps> the dope. We don't
5: have any dope. And what did I just
2: smoke? Hey, everybody. Happy 420 to our friends in the Mountain Time Zone. Studio audience, hey, say happy 420, y'all. Happy 420, y'all! There you go. I love that when they say (laughs) y'all. We're gonna take a break and pass a joint. We'll be right back with more from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Liana Gululi from the ArcView Group with some investment data coming up next.
3: From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com The next
6: generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way.
2: I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important Victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
0: The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
2: Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today. Or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go
0: wild hog in the woods. Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here at the Oregon
2: Marijuana Business Conference in Eugene, Oregon. And we have another guest joining us here at the desk from the ArcView Group. Introduce yourself to the audience.
8: Hello. My name is Liana Giluli, and I work with the ArcView Group.
2: Liana, very nice to have you here. And we know the ArcView Group as the uh, investment group in the cannabis industry. Uh, it's been around for how long now? A couple years?
8: Five years. Five years. Or now. just uh, six years now, actually. Yeah. So yeah, 2010, we were established by Steve D'Angelo and Troy Dayton.
2: Wow, how, how fast time flies. Right. Do you have any numbers on how many companies or how much investment ArcView has been a part of?
8: Absolutely, yeah. So, our latest numbers are right now we have hit $70 million, have been deployed into the space by our, we have over 500 high net worth accredited investors in our network, hmm. and uh, they funded 111 cannabis related companies
2: wow and the jobs coming from that any idea
8: um you know it's hard it's harder to say on that yeah. front yeah we don't have those uh, statistics super tight right now but the whole industry is just absolutely explosive right now and to give you an idea of the numbers uh Of that $70 million, $42 million were invested in the year 2014. Oh, I'm sorry, 2015. So just just almost half of it has been... More than half in the past year. Wow. So, you know, it seems that any investors that were hesitant or just kind of waiting it out to see how things would play out got really excited in 2015, and we're seeing that trend continue into 2016.
2: As we look forward to the future, uh, good and bad on the horizon, we've got good... In at least five, maybe seven states that could pass legalization, either yeah. between initiatives and legislatively. Bad, we've got Republicans. Yes, <laughs> we, we got, do. We've we got, got a Ted, case of the Republicans. Ted Cruz and, and, and Donald Trump, Trump and, and
8: uh, the, the, Kasich.
2: the, the uh, threat it, of
8: Chris Christie becoming our next Surgeon General uh, or AG. Yeah, yeah. So, so
2: do those concerns uh, factor into uh, the plans of ArcView as far as moving forward with investment? Uh, you said that some of the investors seem to be that were reluctant before have jumped in could we go back to being reluctant if things go wrong?
8: Right, yeah. I mean, we our entire movement is so politically dynamic right now, and it's hard to say what's going to happen in the next couple of years. But overall, overarchingly, cannabis full legalization in this country will happen in our lifetime. I mean, forget our lifetime. It'll happen in the next five to ten years, I believe. So it is there is risks involved in getting in early, but at at this point, the risks have become so minimal because the potential is just so massive. You know, the thing that people like to talk about is imagine getting involved on the the beer and alcohol industry right when that was moving out of prohibition right so the opportunities are just enormous right now and people are seeing that and really now's a really great time to get in get established get companies up and running and create a solid foundation so that when the rest of the country does come on board you're locked in and ready to go
2: i would say it's even better than alcohol industry at the beginning of prohibition because Prior to prohibition, there was already an alcohol industry. Right. There were already bu- brewers that just kind of went underground for a while right. and then came back up. Here, it's brand new. It's brand new. You get to start Budweiser. You
8: get to start Budweiser. <laughs> and the other thing I like to say is that uh, that uh, Budweiser doesn't cure cancer. That's right. And uh, and the, all the medical benefits of cannabis are just going to completely shift the entire pharma- pharmaceutical industry and really shift public perception on health and wellness. I think.
2: Right. And and, and, so- and cannabis, in addition to being uh, a consumer good that has a medical utility also comes with a lot of culture and a lot of history oh, and background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As this investment and as this green rush uh, takes uh, root, a lot of people on the advocacy side are a little worried that it's going to become all suits. It's going to become sure. all corporate. It's going to oh, be sure. the Walmart of weed. Is there anything about your investment strategies or the ways that you deal with investors that that inculcates them into some understanding that this isn't just a product, there's some culture here?
8: Absolutely. So I love that you brought up that question. It's such an important thing. And it's something that we hear, especially being the leading investor uh, firm in the space right now, it's something we hear concerns about all the time. And I just, I'm so completely blown away by the amount of heart and soul and good intentions that our investors are bringing to the table. I mean, it's the only business conference I've ever attended where everybody's hugging each other, hello, as a greeting. And that is really, really special. And the people people who are getting involved now, the, the early investors that are jumping on board now, they see they they're in it because they love the industry because they love the plant they believe in it they believe in freedom they believe uh you know they're really for the social justice cause as well uh we because it is not federally legal we're still you know the very active investing into cannabis is an act of civil disobedience in a sense yeah. so we're still getting some super incredible very heart-centered very intentional people in the space and that's that, again, why now is such a magical golden moment yeah. right now, because that there's, there is a lot of heart right now. So, yeah, I mean, you're, we're, of course, going to get the suits in. We're, of course, eventually going to get corporate interests in. And it's really up to us to maintain the industry with each other, with our extended community uh, and within ourselves as well.
2: So. I think a, a large degree of that would be integrating a lot of the people who've been in the cannabis space throughout the years, even on the illegal side. And bringing them in with their background and culture and knowledge. hundred percent, yeah. But for a lot of those folks, the world of business and investment is scary and new and freaky. And what kind of advice could you give a budding entrepreneur, pardon the pun, yeah. a budding entrepreneur out there uh, who wants to get involved, who's been involved with marijuana for a long, long time. But once you start talking, you know, uh,
9: series A fundraising right, right, right. and
2: C. numbers with commas and percents in them, it freaks them out. What can you give them for advice?
8: I mean, there is an immense amount of opportunity right now. Get compliant. Get legal. Do everything that it takes. Get yourself all the licensing. Jump through the hoops and do it right. So get a mentor. There's amazing law firms out there. There's, we're partnered with a business accelerator called Canopy Boulder. Uh, that's another great option if you have this, you know, business idea, or if you've been underground and want to formalize your business. There's so many resources right now, and uh, my advice to everyone who's, you know, hesitant to come above ground, just do it. Just do it. The rising tide raises all ships, and we want you. We want you on board, and we want you to have success with the rest of everybody else. And uh, it's just, it, it's scary, and I and I get it, but it's so there's so much hope, and it's so important that we do this right.
2: All right, let's do it right with the ArcView Group, and uh, give folks uh, the contact information online sure. or anything they need.
8: Yeah, I mean you can find us at uh, the arc dot uh, com, A R C V I E W group.com. dot um, Yeah, and uh, info at arcviewgroup.com is the best way to email us.
2: All right. Well, thanks you. And for yeah, su- we'll
8: be at uh we'll be in Portland next week. We have a big uh, investor forum oh, yes. coming up May 1st through 3rd. And so we have these we call them Arc Tanks, they're Shark Tank style pitch events where we'll have about <laughs> 20 companies pitching to a room full of investors. So
2: Excellent. Well, uh, look forward to that. Check out arcviewgroup.com for more information on that and Thanks for sitting down and telling us a little bit about this.
8: Absolutely. Appreciate Can I make it. one more plug for our, uh, our market report? Please do. So, yeah, we produce the most off sided market analysis of the, the state of the legal marijuana industry. And we just released our fourth edition report. It's our most robust report yet. We partnered with New Frontier on it. And it is really, really amazing. And, uh, yeah, those are available online as well, com. All
2: right. It's all available for you. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's great stuff there from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Leanna Gululi from the ArcView Group. Check them out online. If you're into the investment side of the marijuana green rush, you want to get yourself some information. They've got some really good data for you. Now, coming up in our next segment, we have got our activist agenda. I had the opportunity to sit down with Sam Clowder, who's been working for decades in political activism Specifically, the Democratic Party, Brownie Mary Democrats. You've heard on our show, uh, Lanny Swerdlow, uh, president of the Brownie Mary Democrats. And, of course, if you don't know who Brownie Mary is, you need to get on the uh, old Internet machine and
0: get yourself educated. Pay some respect to those who came before you. Be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Uh Cannabisradio.com Gondrepreneur.com
10: Your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com. Helping Gondrepreneurs
5: grow. It's It's time. It's time. It's time.
6: It's time.
5: The time has come to end prohibition of
7: marijuana in Vermont. It's time. It's time.
6: It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses.
7: And stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time. It's time.
11: It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that
2: consumers can know what they're getting. It's time.
6: It's time. It's time time to stop punishing adults for consuming a product that's less harmful than alcohol.
2: And spend more time addressing serious crimes. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach.
7: S-241 would end Prohibition
2: and regulate marijuana in Vermont. We are
6: ready. We're ready.
11: We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. ready. Vermont is ready.
6: Contact a representative now and ask them to support S-241.
7: It's time to end Prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont.
0: You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show.
2: With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit neweracpas.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era.
0: begins with Act. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hard-working grassroots activists working for an end to Prohibition in today's activist agenda.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference here at the Eugene Hilton. It's the lunch hour. People are engaged in networking, and one of the good friends of the industry and the movement has stopped by. Tell folks your name and your organization. Um, I'm Sam Clowder, and
4: uh, I'm, I'm involved with a lot of different organizations. Um, the most recent one is Brownie Mary Democrats of California, which is a state chartered organization by the California Democratic Party, and we have been successfully promoting uh, the legalization of cannabis um, in that format for, for a few
2: years now. Sam, what's the uh, the, the take here on the democratic politics uh, happening in California? I know they just uh, announced uh, Lori Ajax being put in charge of the uh, new medical marijuana group. uh Governor Brown and, and, and Lieutenant Governor Newsom has had this report that's come out uh, for how cannabis should be legalized. Just give people that aren't familiar with the inside politics maybe a, a taste of what's going on and what Brownie Mary is doing in that respect.
4: Well, Brownie Mary, Brownie as Brownie Mary is, Democrats is really limited to the Democratic Party, right? And uh, what you're asking about is a much broader spectrum okay. of what's happening and what's going on. I have been working on this issue since 1971. I helped put Prop 19 on the ballot. The first one? Yes, yes. And um, it's the only issue, political issue on my personal agenda that I've worked on for this long without achieving what I consider to be a final success, which is legalization in California. It's come and gone in many different forms. Uh, There's a great deal of controversy about the AUMA. Um, The fact is, if it if it's Approved, especially with a 60% or larger majority, it's a, it, it's a statement to the legislature. But um, in all my time, I never trusted the legislature before, before Gavin Newsom came out with his recommendations. I like Gavin Newsom. He's been an inspiration. He's, 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 he's going to be our best, most radical anti-drug war governor in the history of this nation. Really, come yeah. two years from now when he's coronated governor, <laughs> I. Uh, but his the the recommendations that came out in that white paper just astonished me. They totally turned my head around. Every single one of them is spot on, and it gave me a feeling that we could get a better deal from the legislature than from an initiative. Uh, so uh, while I'm not I'm, I'm not happy with some pa- aspects of AUMA, I believe that we've got we're obligated to vote for it for any of them that qualify for the ballot. Any of them, all of them. Um, because it's a statement, a much broader statement to, the, to those who would oppose it. Um, so, you know, right now we're looking at there's only one initiative in circulation that has a chance to make the ballot, and that's AUMA. Now, their, their signatures, their deadline actually is tomorrow. Their self-imposed deadline to turn in signatures is tomorrow. And they really do have to do it next week before they start losing time. And, and taking a chance of missing the November ballot for this year, and then not being on another ballot until November two years later. But he, whether or not it passes, the fact is that it's been the activists and the growers who have moved this issue. You know, it's been the people who have been conscientious objectors to 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 an unjust law from the very beginning. From the beatniks when they left San Francisco to grow it in Humboldt and Mendocino County in the 1950s, and, and that's where you can trace the modern the right. modern cannabis revolution. Um, but uh, uh, it's it's always been led by people who take it from a political angle to begin with, because when you when you consume and you realize what a joy consuming cannabis is, it changes your whole perspective—not just on life and drugs and cannabis and plants and herbs, but also on government propaganda. Sure. Um, so. Uh, we have always been the movers, and the law—it's it's up to the law to come catch up with us. Okay? <laughs> I don't—I don't mean you know, uh, not the law catching illegal up activity. <laughs> I'm saying we have been leaders in this movement, and it's just—they're dragging their ass, but they're headed our direction. As long yeah. as they're headed in the right direction, we just got to give them more gas. Now uh, that means that, regardless of what happens with AUMA, if AUMA gets elected, we're still going to do what we got to do to to what we feel is fair and just. And, and I think that I think that the heart of the movement has proven itself a true patriotic element in this nation. It's it's objecting to a victimless crime. It's not a crime at all. It was always a law that never had a had a victim, so it was always moral legislation. And in a free country, we shouldn't be legislating morality like that. Right. Um, and so it was really a commitment to the truth. Uh, on the behalf of those who used cannabis to continue to use it in the face of being arrested from the very very beginning. And so what are they going to do? They're going to have to change the law to conform with our behavior. They're going to have to change the law to conform with our economy. They're going to have to change the law to conform with the best ways of growing it economically. They're going to have to change the laws medically to conform with the, the, the tremendous discoveries that are being made across the rest of the world about how to use CBD, their medical applications of CBD and THC. What I'm looking at in long range, I mean, like, oh, God, man, I'm 65 years old in August, all right? And I've been doing this since I was 21, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so I'm looking long range, and what I see, the a much longer-range contribution to the politic, political consciousness of America is that the fact that so many people out there who haven't used it because it's illegal, once it's legal, they're going to use it, and it's going to turn their head around politically. Yeah. They're going to start questioning authority. They're not going to put up with this kind of... you know We, we need to turn people into thinking them for themselves instead of, instead of automatons by organized religion, organized government. And cannabis not only does that on an individual basis, but then when you look at the broad political and legal spectrum of the past 100 years, you realize, hey... This isn't the greatest country of all. It fucks its own people, and that, and that, in the long run, I think is going to be re, reverberate through the society with a much greater power, more powerful inf, uh, impact across the nation than even does the smoking of candles.
2: Wow, that's that's uh, that's heartening to, th- to think about, Sam. Uh, I, you made a point there as you were discussing getting a better deal out of the legislature than you might get out of an initiative. A lot of times because there's a lot of uh, political horse trading that goes on for an initiative. Oh, we don't want to scare the soccer moms. We don't want to scare this demographic or that demographic. In Oregon, it seems like we passed our Measure 91 and the legislature did just that. They gave us some improvements. But some people would say they also took away some things. Uh, Are there fears, you know, devil's advocate side that you worry about the legislature implementing in legalization.
4: Yes, and and everyone who's a watchdog needs to continue to be a watchdog because we want it all. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we don't. We, we, we're willing to compromise and take what we get for now, but we're coming back for more until we get it all straight. Okay, and after cannabis, it's just like uh, like the uh, um, the doctor said, who who was the keynote Dr. speaker, Doctor Hart. Yes, yeah, Doctor Hart. Uh, he's pointing out the fact that there's no difference in these other drugs and their impact. I mean. It, once you get around to looking at heroin legalization, you realize that um, the, reason it, the reason the country waited so long to make it illegal in the 1920s and 30s, it had been used in the 1860s to, for Civil War veterans. Mm-hmm. And these Civil War veterans had been addicted and used it for all their lives. I mean, uh, um, uh, and there's a history of it. And they lived long, productive lives being heroin addicts to the ages of 70 and 80, which is why the, 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 the whole nation <laughs> held back on making it illegal until the last Civil War addicts to heroin had died. Yeah. So it was a political football den, okay? And when we get around to looking at the way, you know, we got a few steps to go there. I mean, uh, when, for me, the next great revolution in in fighting against the war on drugs is going to be produced by MAPS Multidisciplinary right. Association for Psychedelic Studies because they're on the verge of making uh, um, several different psychotropic substances including feasibly LSD available to psychiatric study again and again I mean if you go back and you look at the history of LSD you realize that it was the greatest cure of paranoid schizophrenia and, and, and manic depressants, depressants from the 1940s to the 1960s you I'd heard alcoholism days. too yeah, alcohol is it was, it was it's successful in, in many different forms. But what I mean is that AUMA has some restrictions that a lot of people are, are controversially, controversially angry about. Um, and and I, I don't that to me that's not a big issue because AU, AUMA is set up so that the legislature can change. It. And can change it with majorities. It's, so, it really, it becomes more of a referendum, a, an opportunity for the, Cali- the voters of California to make a definitive statement: do they want to legalize it for adult use or not? Because again, everything in AUMA is open to change by the legislature. And so, yes, I thought I thought we could get a better job from the. Le- I, I filed an initiative myself and withdrew it after after Newsom's, uh, um, mm-hmm. Newsom's white paper came out. I filed my initiative before his white paper came out because I didn't trust his deadline. Mm-hmm. We were being told, you know, I, I, I had so many deadlines were being moved around as to when Newsom's final final paper. It was supposed to come out uh, this year, not last year. Oh, okay. And so I filed an initiative, and they got it together, and they got it out. And so I withdrew my initiative because I felt we'd get a better opportunity through, through the, um, mm-hmm. the legislature. Now, here's the thing. The reason is because growers are coming out of the hills and sitting in the gallery of the legislature and lobbying them directly, personally, wearing shirts that say "I am a grower." I mean, two busfuls are going from Humboldt County to the, to to, um, to Sacramento to to uh, to the legislature, and doing that, they are being enfranchised. We are bringing an entire generation, maybe some, in I know fa- five generations of families in Humboldt County. And we are finally bringing them back into the body politic and giving them an opportunity to be heard, validating their opinions, getting them reinvolved in politics where they've been alienated over this one issue and this one issue alone. And they have a great deal to offer. I mean, there's a lot of other problems, you know, education, crime, h- hunger, poverty, uh, medicine. There's so many different political uh, uh, items that we should share on an agenda if we share the cannabis interest. Okay, and the wonder is that they get more their voice is heard in the legislative process where it's not heard in the initiative process all they can do is sign and vote okay but they don't have any participation that's what in my opinion is cool about auma is that it leaves a window open for the legislature to make changes and we will continue to get more and more cannabis users to be responsive politically I didn't say responsible. I say responsive politically on other issues and, and I think we have a great future
2: ahead of us in that respect. California's you know been the pioneer in this since 1996, passing uh, Prop 215 Compassionate Use Act. And it seems that the loudest complaints I hear about AUMA come from people that are very invested in that, uh, and I don't necessarily mean financially, but emotionally or personally, in medical marijuana. Uh, What do you say to medical marijuana patients or their supporters who are claiming that AUMA is going to destroy Prop 215?
4: It's not. It's not going to destroy Prop 215. I say what I said before each everybody's right you know you go around here and you hear all these different you hear all these different opinions and philosophies the fact is everybody's right all right if you believe that cannabis should be legalized then everyone is right some people are more right than others okay but everybody's right and that's where you got to start you got to start with that 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 basis uh, uh, of understanding medical is going to be medical It's going to be there just like it is here. It's going to be. It's going to meet different standards, and ultimately, it won't be taxed. Um, And ultimately, users, end users, can buy as much as they want. I believe ultimately, the same rules will apply to recreational use, or I mean, adult use, not recreational use. But uh, it's not going to make any difference. The quality, high-quality cannabis will be available, and mass-produced cannabis will be available. I, I really don't understand what the, what the conflict is, with the exception of growing limits. Um, and, and again, I mean, I have a card that allows me to grow uh, 99 plants and possess 11 pounds from Humboldt County. And that might change according to AU, AUMA standards. But it depends on whether the law is interpreted as, as to support local standards versus eliminate them. I don't know. We just have to see. Hmm. We just have to see how it rolls out. But the fact is, it's it's better than... Every step in the direction is better than a step before.
2: I agree. Sam Clowder with uh, Brownie Mary Democratic Club and so many other groups. Any other uh, contacts or websites or information that you'd like to give out to the audience?
4: Well, um, I would uh, recommend uh, checking out... We have a movie that we're going to do a world premiere... Of in Eureka uh, on uh, June 7, I believe. And that's uh, being produced through Del Arte, D-E-L-L-A-R-T-E, which is um, a uh, Master of Fine Arts acting program located in uh, Blue Lake, California in northern Humboldt County. And um, it's called Mary Jane the Musical, and we've been working on it for... uh, They've been working on it since 2011, and I've been working on producing the movie for about a year and a half now, and and, um, I, I would recommend... Uh, going to YouTube to see our three minute trailer um, you just uh, Google uh, Mary Jane the musical Del Arte D-E-L-L-A-R-T-E and it comes up and it's a lot of fun I got Ed Asner in the show um, it's got 16 16 brand new songs they've got a CD that we're marketing separately mm. uh, once, uh, once this is finished it's in post production the director's in um, in London finishing post production right now and I uh, uh, once it's done, we expect to to um, distribute it throughout California initially during the election period. It's a lot of fun. It shows many different aspects. It's about growers in Humboldt County and generations of growers and what they faced. But it's also it's a musical comedy tragedy. It's a it's a well-rounded show and a lot of fun. Uh, and I'd recommend that people go look at the trailer and then make contact from there.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much. Everyone check out uh, Mary Jane, the musical. And if you're interested in democratic politics in California, the Brownie Mary Democratic Club. Brownie Mary
4: Democrats of California.
2: Thank you so much.
4: Thank you. Pleasure pleasure talking to you.
2: The interview with Sam Clowder there at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Interesting gentleman. And he had the cutest little Dawson dog, little wiener dog on his lap during that whole interview. So... It's always interesting in uh, Eugene, Oregon. When we come back, we've got uh, something from the United Nations General Assembly. Actually, this was at the 420 demonstration at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in New York. We met up with Brett Phelps from Students for Sensible Drug Policy. He, of the most excellent beard, he's from New Mexico, and uh, had a few things to say about uh, international drug policy that we'll bring to you right after this break. And then Stay tuned in hour two. I take on Kevin Sabet in virtuality.
0: Got a recording of his thing from Ungas coming up in hour two. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com
5: Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com
1: Great websites today need Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
2: I'm Radical Russ from The Russ Belleville Show. The story of uh, Alexis, Team Alexis. Uh, she's the little nine year old girl who uh, is using medical marijuana. You you it, you you
1: it, you You take a scene, you pen
2: It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of P.O.T., weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
0: This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootcamp.com.
4: I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to
5: use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. All right,
2: folks, let's go back to New York City. Hey everybody, Radical Russ here at Dag Hammerskjold Plaza for the SSDP event. They are uh, demonstrating and showing off art and explaining the international drug war to the public here. And we've got one of the finest SSDP speakers. I loved your your talk the other day. Introduce yourself to the the crowd and, and where are you from?
9: My name is Brett Phelps. I'm from Farmington, New Mexico, and I'm the chapter leader of Students for Sensible Drug Policy at the University of New Mexico School of Law.
2: I love that we're getting more SSDP chapters at law schools. How do your law school officials react to that?
9: Our faculty has been nothing but supportive, really. It was something that I was was nervous going into law school. I knew that's what I wanted to do. That's the only reason I went. And I was nervous about how it was actually going to go down. But from the very first day, my first professor, you know, they're going around the class asking who you are, where you're from, what you want to do. And I said, I wanted to work on drug policy reform. And professor just said, that's great. We need more people doing that. And it's been, yeah, all support since then.
2: When you opened your speech the other night at the awards ceremony, you uh, gave a bunch of hypotheticals about people getting busted and what that experience is like. You want to run that down for me again?
9: Yeah, so my speech on, on Saturday was about a vision for a post-Prohibition world, and so my vision on that was about making peace with the police, and how when we end Prohibition, we can really rethink the way that we deal with police, so I started my talk off with some of my more negative encounters that I've had with police um, in the past, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was really causing too much trouble, but I ended up in the wrong place in the wrong time, a lot of times, and I actually, yeah, have been charged with marijuana possession and or paraphernalia three times. Um, luckily, I have never actually been convicted, you know, but there's been some crazy stuff. I've done a lot of time on probation. Uh, I had a real kick-ass public defender that helped me out with one case, so yeah, that's really, it was all that craziness and cops pointing guns at me and all that that it led me into this place that I am now.
2: So. The legalization then is one of the tools we need to do to make peace with the police.
9: Absolutely, yeah. So, so by by legalizing cannabis and, and other drugs, it really it changes the dynamic in terms of how law enforcement sees the general population and can treat them. You know, if we if if they suspect if anyone who's even suspected of having drugs is a potential criminal then it really, yeah, makes a, makes it an us-against-them kind of situation. So by moving legalization forward and allowing police to focus on serious crime, I really think that that can have a, a dramatic impact on you know community police relations.
2: Some of the ways we've been successful in getting uh, cannabis uh, re-legalized have had to do with the tax argument. A lot of people smoke pot, we can tax them, make some money. There's been a criminal justice argument. There's been a marijuana safer than alcohol argument. What do we do as we move on to these other drugs that aren't necessarily safer and won't necessarily raise a lot of taxes? How do we move that ball forward?
9: really looking at it as a social justice and human and human rights issue right the the liberty and freedom to be able to put what you want into your own body is something that translates much better beyond marijuana you know marijuana is really a a a great starting point right and the momentum is really in our favor but if we're looking at it from a broader human rights perspective and the injustices um socially, economically, and environmentally that are caused by this war on drugs, I think it really can help us broaden our perspective in terms of ending prohibition.
2: Excellent. Now, is there any uh, contact info or websites you'd like to give out for folks that they want to get in touch with you?
9: Absolutely. Got a shout out, ssdp.org. You can find me on Facebook, Brett James Phelps, Twitter, at Brett J. Phelps, or brett.phelps at ssdp.org. Always happy to talk to supporters or the haters. Yeah, let me know any questions, comments. I'd love to talk to you. All right. Thank you so much Brett
2: folks there at the SSDP conference, got to meet them in Washington, D.C., spent some time at the Patients Out of Time conference in Baltimore, did the D.C. marijuana seed and cl- and weed uh, giveaway in front of the White House, United Nations, Mark Kleiman Cannabis Summit in New York, and the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference all in the past week. It's been a lot of travel, and thanks for sticking with me through it. I know I've had to play some uh, pre-recorded shows for you, and there's been some hang-ups with those on the playback, and we hope we've got that all ironed out. It was fun recording down there in the United Nations basement. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up here in Hour 2 and more of my reflections from a week worth of travel. But for now, that's all for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You
1: take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, it and it goes down to earth.
5: Hey, this is Just like
0: cannabis. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. Freedom, freedom, freedom.
5: They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards. Listen to the Animal man and Snoopy, Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel?
11: Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality.
8: Holland, is it real?
5: <laughs> Don't tease
2: All right, welcome back, tokers and tokens and non token lovers of liberty. Radical West coming to you live. It's 7 o'clock Eastern Time. I'm, I'm back on the East Coast here in the outskirts of Greenville, South Carolina. G R E E N V L. Greenville. And uh, it's a good time here. Lots of folks hanging out. I'm hanging out at the house of Big Daddy Fink from 420radio.org. And, uh, some road tripping activists have made their way to this hacienda. And, uh, it's been a, been a delight because, uh, that includes two who I was in New York with. Uh, that would be uh, Jenna Broom from North Carolina and Sharon Ravert from Georgia. They are uh, in the house, although they're technically not in the house right now. They're outside on the porch looking at the pool. But <laughs> it's been an interesting situation getting to see people in different places as we go from place to place. And, and you learn so much about the people that are involved in this marijuana activism and how much we rely on one another to uh, get through this and to be able to to uh, split hotel rooms and to be able to share meals and share cabs. And when someone's got a house and you're road tripping through, you can stop by and and hang out and relax and get off the road for a while. Uh, There's so much cooperation that goes on in this. And and so many people that put so much of their own money into it and their own time into it. It's just a a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I, I thank everybody who's ever supported me or helped me out in doing what I do. And I hope in some way I'm giving back and able to help those people that are moving forward in their activism. And coming up on this hour two, we've got some fun stuff for you because, uh, I've been out on the road, like I said, uh, New York City spent, uh, five, six days in New York City, got to go to Coney Island and the uh, 9-11 memorial, which is the second most impactful memorial I've ever visited. Uh, the Vietnam War memorial, of course, <laughs> was, was powerful. That, that's number one in my book, but, uh, the 9-11 memorial is right up there. And, uh, got to see the East Village, had a most interesting time. Uh, Kristen Gwynn, my former editor at the alternate, now working at High Times. Uh, I had the time off and, and we were done with the event at the United Nations. And I said, uh, what could I do that's New Yorky? but not touristy, right? Like I've done the Empire State Building and Times Square and Madison Square Garden and Central Park and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Freedom Tower. So so what can I do this New Yorkie, but not touristy? And she goes, well, have you been to the East Village? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And so, well, let me take you to the East Village. Now, mind you, she's saying this, we're in Midtown. So we're like at 42nd Street, like UN, you know, First Avenue, right? And we have to walk, Downtown, all the way to the East Village to like Alphabet City down there, uh, and a you know, forty block walk. And this woman, she's definitely a New Yorker because she walks like a New Yorker. My God, they walk fast. I thought I was a fast walker, but ugh, got nothing on these folks. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't noticed is a whole lot of skateboarders. And she goes, Oh, that's where we're going. <laughs> this is where the skateboarders are. And we had a good time. We walked down there. I uh, got to get uh, my fi- finally got a slice of New York pizza. And uh, visited Tompkins Square Park. And right as uh, I rolled up a doobie to smoke in Tompkins Square Park and took my first puff, suddenly, out of nowhere, an NYPD police van races through this is like the pedestrian part of the park races up the trail right toward us i'm like holy shit oh my god i'm getting busted again again it's happening again no there was some fight or something that was going on past us so this this police van just rolls right on by lights and sirens playing i'm holding my breath i've still got my hit in my lungs <laughs> waiting for this thing to go by oh
5: my god people
2: Oh, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to take on a little Kevin Sabet from the United Nations. I sat on in his presentation, plus his protege, Will Jones, from Two is Enough D.C.,
0: the uh, losing Washington, D.C. organization, right after this. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing, so are we. Grow with us, CannabisRadio.com.
10: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com. Helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
2: I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. We're here with Sir Richard Branson. Far more damage has been done to people by the current approach.
5: Jim McMahon. You know, a lot of the coaches are old school. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bums!" smokers. John Popper on the telephone. You
0: know, I think in the 60s there was that kind of, the bigotry wasn't so common.
2: It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
0: Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Bellville Show. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing... I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back,
2: everybody. Live from South Carolina, I'm Radical Russ. Just hanging out here. Bunch of activists all about us. A couple of nice dogs, too. I got a little dog little long-haired dog chewing on a bone over to my right and then i don't know where the big dog went but jenna brought this big old dog one of them big dogs with them block heads got a dot would be a white dog with a big old black dot right square in the middle of its skull couldn't be a more gentle dog what a lovely lovely dog makes me miss my roscoe but hey that's the way the ball bounces We're uh, back from so many different trips. I just flew here from Eugene, Oregon. I missed the North Carolina prescription pill bottle drop. Jenna Broom was showing me some of the pictures, and they just came from that, uh, Jenna and uh, Sharon did. And they were showing me some of the pictures from this uh, event, and there were thousands of North Carolinians that showed up there in Raleigh for this event. I'm so sad that I missed it. The uh, United Airlines flight out of Eugene, Oregon uh, got delayed four and a half hours. I've never had a four and a half hour flight delay, but, and, uh, to get me to South Carolina was a two, uh, layover trip. I had to hit Denver and Houston to get to Greenville, G-R-E-E-N-V-L, Greenville. And, um, but it's been a lot of fun before Eugene. I came from uh, New York city and, uh, my last day in New York, uh, I had the day off. I scheduled an extra day, uh, after ungas and after, uh, the Mark Kleiman thing, I did like five days in a row there, Sunday through Thursday. And so I scheduled Friday to have the day off. But New York, as it does, uh, will make a man broke. Man, it's expensive in New York, right? And this is, you know, I, this was walking everywhere and taking uh, the subway, got the Metro card. Although somebody uh, led me to buying a bunch of special M&Ms for some reason. I don't know what the hell I'm doing buying M&Ms at six ninety nine a pound. What the hell is that? Well, she took us to the M&M store. Why the hell do we go to the M&M store? And another great memory on the uh, the Metro, though, is uh, Jenna sleeping uh, on the subway with uh, Sharon sitting next to him when the bass player and the singer come on and uh, playing Stand By Me and serenades uh, Sharon there. That was that was pretty telling. I got video of that that we'll uh, have passed around and shared. But uh, the next thing I want to get to here on the show is Kevin Sabet. Because you may have seen the photo if you follow my social media accounts of me and Kevin next to each other. And I tweeted it out alongside a picture from the old Warner Brothers cartoon of Sam the sheepdog and Ralph the wolf. Now, a lot of people, when they see that, they think it's Wiley Coyote, but it's not. Wiley Coyote does not speak, Sam or uh, uh, Ralph the wolf does. So it's the one where Sam and Ralph, they're both clocking in. Morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. And then the rest of the cartoon is typical sheepdog versus wolf, you know, trying to get the sheep. And Acme bomb-making stuff is involved and so forth. And at the end of it, they're both clocking out. And that's kind of how I feel whenever I see Kevin Sabet. Like, he's Sam the sheepdog and I'm Ralph the wolf somehow. But we're both. The subtle part is that they're both clocking in on the same time clock. Right. You ever notice that in the cartoon, the wolf and the sheepdog both clocking in. That's a subtle kind of, you know, political statement, you know, (laughs) if you really think about that. Right. And in the same way, I think, uh, Sabet and I are are in that boat in that the drug war, the controversy over it, you know, pays both of our, uh, salaries, uh, his far more lucratively than mine. (laughs) Let me just put that out there far more lucratively than mine, but still, uh, kind of, both uh, I had someone I met recently that said uh paladin of pot called me a paladin of pot. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I just kind of believe in this and I believe in this change. And I believe in it as a, as a civil rights thing. So when I tweeted that picture, a lot of people like, well, how do you not punch him in the face? How do you, how can you stand that guy? Uh, right. And, and I don't know, maybe I take the position that he does really believe in what he's doing. Right. That, that he, that that maybe he, you know, he's like a religious person, right? When you find a religious person and and you question really, you know, if you get down to the the literal texts of what they believe and you get, come on, you don't really believe that. Come on, really? And they do, right? And do you ascribe them as them trying to fool you or to fool themselves, right? And I don't know, with Kevin, I just, I get this feeling like, his heart's in the right place. <laughs> he just wants everybody to be sober, <laughs> I guess. But anyway, so I saw him there at the uh, United Nations thing and I asked him, you know, hey, I want to see your event. When's your event? And he says, well, it's uh, Thursday at 530. Okay, I'll be there. Right. So I end up going there and it's this a UN conference room. And, and the, the title of the event was Alternative Legal Regimes for Cannabis alternative legal regimes for cannabis. And the funny thing was there's four speakers. There was a speaker from the world health organization, uh, Ingstrom, Maria Ingstrom, I think her name was, uh, Kevin Sabet, And then Will Jones, Will Jones is the guy that headed up two is enough DC, which was the anti-legalization campaign that lost 70 to 30, or was it 71, 29, something like that. He's a young African American man, uh, 24, 26, something like that. and, and, he's a rising star. Watch this kid coming. He's, he's pretty good at what he does. Um, doesn't mean that he's not completely full of shit on some of this stuff, but <laughs> we'll play some of him if we get some time too. And then there was also a professor, Sean Leno, uh, from UC Denver, university, of Colorado, Denver, who, who gave all sorts of scare stats that, you know, won't withstand a moment of scrutiny. I don't even know if I'll get time to play this guy. Some of the stuff like, Here's a bar graph of how much – how often people smoke pot in prohibition states compared to how much they smoke pot in medical states. Ooh, it's bigger compared to how much they smoke in recreational states. Ooh, it's really big. Well, yeah, because places where people smoke pot – they pass laws, <laughs> right? It, it's not working the other way around. It's not like you pass a law and suddenly all these people started smoking pot. No, they were already smoking pot. And they got together and said, hey, you know what? It'd <laughs> be nice if we weren't criminals. Maybe we ought to pass a law. And that's what happens. So all sorts of BS, scaremonging, bullshit stats like that in this uh, report. So I was there, and I was there along with a few other people. Uh, uh, Kristen Gwynn. From Alternet. Oh, uh, good day. Heading back on the road. Yes. Okay. Good day, ladies. So, see you so nice. So nice to see you. Good day. Good day. Tally ho. See you soon. <laughs> see you soon. I'll see you down in Atlanta. Or Dahlonega. I'm not sure where we're stopping first. Yeah, probably Dahlonega. Probably Dahlonega. Dahlonega. Okay. We're live here on Cannabis Radio. Definitely live. <laughs> Got to say goodbye to our activist friends. They're heading back on the road back to uh, Georgia from their uh, North Carolina gig. But anyway, uh, the uh, the Kevin Sabat adventure, lots of fun. Had that Sean Leno, and so these four speakers. And uh, also attending, uh, I saw Kristen Gwynn there from Alternate, or formerly from Alternate, now with High Times. Um, who else was uh, attending there? The, uh, oh, oh, the this woman uh, Jennifer ha- Handler Hauser Howler, something like that. I can't remember the last name exactly, but she's uh, with Tilray which is the medical subsidiary of privateer holdings. And it's particularly funny during Kevin Sabet's presentation, and you'll hear it when we get to the audio here, he makes present part of his presentation is that whole big marijuana scare. Oh no, here comes a marijuana industry. That's gonna want to hook all your kids. Oh, big marijuana. That's gonna create jobs and pay taxes and settle its disputes in courts instead of with bullets. Oh no. Right. <laughs> this is that's his that's all they got left right so as kevin makes his big marijuana scare he makes he, one of his slides has a you know privateer holdings marley natural privateer holdings so i got this great snapshot of jennifer the woman from tilray looking at the slide you know got the back of her head looking at the slide of it kind of demeaning her company and she did end up uh, getting to talk to him after the event i saw her go up and uh, and uh, make some conversation with kevin so i wish I could have been uh, a little closer to have heard what went down but <laughs> it sounded very interesting i also at the end of the event uh introduced myself to will jones the uh the young man from two is enough dc and i came up to him and i said hey uh will uh that was a you have some fantastic presentation skills uh, i'm radical Russ. nice to meet you and he was genuinely shocked. He actually jumped back a bit. It was funny. You're you're Radical Rus- I can't believe I'm talking to Radical Russ. I'm like in my mind thinking, yeah, like potheads can fly and shit, you know? <laughs> you know, we can we can buy plane tickets and dress in suits and stuff. Who who knew? <laughs> anyway, so we'll play some of that. And um, also coming up on the show, we'll have some time to get to uh, some musical Uh, interludes. We heard from John Forte at the Museum for uh, Drug Policy. Uh, The Museum of Drug Policy was set up for three days. It was a temporary thing they set up on Park Avenue. Open Society Foundation, which is the uh, George Soros-funded philanthropic arm, uh, funded this museum on Park Avenue, which is some pretty expensive real estate. Who knows? Three days on Park Avenue could be like a year's worth of rent in a lot of places, probably. But they had this warehouse on uh, 235 Park Avenue that was set up as a temporary uh, museum of drug policy. And John Forte played there. So I'll have some music from John Forte. But uh, that that was an amazing display, by the way. Some great art. Also, they had a a mock-up of a supervised injection facility like you have in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, in Switzerland, and so forth. Good to see what that looked like. You know, clean, sterile. You know, nothing scary about it. And, and that was another major uh, portion of, you know, a, a lot of what went down at the UN, at the drug policy summits, people broadening their horizons beyond just cannabis. It uh, almost seems, even on both sides, that this cannabis legalization thing is kind of just going to happen. And people are looking beyond that now to look at other drugs and how we deal with other drugs. I, I read a news blurb today that Hawaii's legislature is looking at you know maybe we just go toward decriminalizing all drugs a- and there may be a revolution in thought going on now that recognizes that prohibition's the problem now it's not that- Oh, i know nothing. nothing i'll have to get to that point later because it is now 4:20 in my native pacific time zone and uh thanks to the uh, biological clock of course I need to take a very important safety break. So we're going to take a break, and we got that Kevin Sabat audio. We'll get to that next. So stay tuned.
3: We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
5: It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. The time has come to end prohibition of marijuana in
7: Vermont.
6: It's time.
5: It's
7: time.
6: It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses
7: and stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time.
6: It's time.
11: It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that consumers can know what they're getting. It's time.
6: It's time. It's time to stop punishing adults for consuming a product that's less harmful than alcohol.
2: And spend more time addressing serious crimes. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach.
6: S241 would end prohibition
7: and regulate marijuana in Vermont. We are ready. ready. We're ready. We're ready. Who ready? We're ready. ready.
11: Vermont is ready.
6: Contact a representative now and ask them to support S241. It's time to end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me,
5: it'll feel awesome!
0: Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Rock has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on cannabisradio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is 723
2: here on the East Coast, 423 back home in beautiful Potland, Oregon, and uh, we just heard our commercial from uh, my supporter and longtime sponsor, Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, and I want to give a special shout out to uh, Thomas Barrington from Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo who uh, has just gotten married. Congratulations uh, on your wedding. Uh, So happy for the both of you. And uh, the pictures I'm seeing on Facebook are beautiful. You look great. Everybody looks like they had a great time, and I really wish I could have been there as well. So um, Thomas and Beth Barrington, I don't know if you're going to keep the last name, Beth, but whatever you're going to do, uh, Let's all be PC, however we want to do it. Uh, we support it. <laughs> now I've gone completely off track, but I'm so glad that you had a happy wedding and I hope things go very well for you both. All right, let's get to the audio for today because uh, I attended that session, Kevin Sabet's, uh Alternative Legal Regimes for Cannabis that he held at the United Nations, where not a single alternative legal regime for cannabis was discussed. There were no alternatives whatsoever discussed. It was all just pretty much ragging on Colorado and Washington to some extent, ragging on legalization, how we can't let it happen in California because then the sky will fall, and uh, let's get to it. Here's some Kevin Sabat for you.
4: In the field. We will move on to a more political angle of this issue, and uh, Kevin Sabat is one of the most primary positions to cannabis legalization in the united states it's fair to say and uh, he will walk us through what is happening with the commercialization of uh, cannabis so kevin
11: thank you eric and uh, your excellencies and representatives and delegates that are here members of u.n agencies Uh, I want to uh, express appreciation for for you attending this uh, last side event on the last day, maybe the last un-gassed, this this decade at least, right? Um, Maybe. Uh, It it depends. Um, And uh, I I realize that uh, there are a lot of other uh, things that we want to tend to, but we're very appreciative that you're here. I'm going to talk, hopefully, somewhat briefly uh, and quickly, although we'll make sure this is uh, available for you afterwards, and I think all the presentations will be available for you about really what the U.S. is seeing uh, right now in the midst of uh, the greatest change in uh, any, I think, national drug policy in the world in uh, over a century, I would I would venture to say. We're, we're very proud to be part of the Prevent Don't Promote uh, campaign here this week, an, uh, an NGO umbrella group, a campaign of over 300 NGOs from every part of the world.
2: Uh, and that's where I got to stop for the first, because I, I saw their sign there. They had the, them around at the U.N. Prevent... Don't promote. Prevent, don't promote. Now, you have to understand that we also had something that we wanted to have at the UN. The uh, Drug Policy Alliance and LEAP and all the groups and a thousand signatories signed on to this letter uh, to Ban Ki-moon, the president or the secretary general of the UN, to end the global war on drugs. And it came as a kind of a newsletter format that, you know, like an eight-page newsletter format, and on the top it said the Post-Prohibition Times, which was like in the old English font, and it had the letter, and then the rest of the pages were all the signatories. That's how many there were. It took eight pages to list them. UN security were confiscating those. You were not allowed to bring those into the UN because it was politicking, illegal politicking but apparently the NGOs that are fighting against legalization can have prevent, don't promote, prevent, don't promote, everywhere, prevent, don't promote. My only problem with prevent, don't promote is it it kind of implies that there's only two choices, that we're either preventing people from using drugs or we're promoting people using for drugs. How about we just leave people alone? Couldn't that be one of the options? Like, when they talk about, When they worry about this advertising that might happen for drugs or for for marijuana, there could be advertising for marijuana preventing or promoting marijuana use. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, especially if that's getting people off of Ambien and acetaminophen and arthritis meds, and that's just the A's, right? (laughs) We're just starting down the list. Anyway, let's go back to Kevin for a second here. Uh, Prevent, don't promote really talking about the importance of prevention and not
11: promoting um, drug abuse uh, in, in any way. Um, many of you know about what the SMART Approaches to Marijuana is. It's a, we sort of call ourselves a third-way organization that doesn't want to criminalize uh, drug use, especially marijuana use, but also doesn't want to um, allow the presence of another global um, public health disaster
2: in the name of, uh, really, addiction marketing. And indi- a, a, a disaster in addiction marketing. It'd be, oh, no. A disaster. We'd all be addicted to pot. There'll be pot zombies. Oh, my God. But uh, I, I talked with Chris Goldstein. I finally got to see Chris Goldstein uh, in D.C. and uh, share a bowl with him after, his t- after be- him being on probation for two years. And he tells me, you know, I've always said that uh, Project Sam should really be called Project Samuel. Smart approaches to marijuana use except legalization. And he says, yeah, do you know what SMART stands for? And I go, no. He says, stoners must all receive treatment. Like, yeah, that's, there you go. That's your SMART approaches. As we now see with uh,
11: the global tobacco uh, industry and the global alcohol industry, as well as uh, pharmaceutical companies. So we are advocating for an evidence-based uh, approach. And, and we were founded by the former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, who's a tireless supporter of uh, mental health around the world. Um, over you know, several affiliates, uh, dozens around the world and in the U.S. We're very worried that um, this issue of legalization is bringing along what we call big marijuana. Um, this idea that there will be companies uh, marketing uh, uh, marijuana use uh, to young people because that is when,
2: of course, the brain is most vulnerable to addiction. Um, and- I have yet to find a marijuana company in the legal states. That is marketing their marijuana to, to the youth, the slides that Kevin displays at points like this to indicate that this is happening are the old pictures from the tainted ink case going back to the early two thousands of things like Keith cats and Buddha fingers, right? Where they make puns off of the, they do rip off brands of existing candy bars for medicated bars. And then, of course, God forbid, the gummy bear. Oh, my God, the gummy bear. All right. So these, there'll be slides of these gummy bears and Keith cats and Butterfingers, fingers, and that's supposed to indicate marketing to the kids. Now, i actually looked up the stats on this. You know me. I look shit up. And um, according to the uh, Confectioners Association, whatever the hell the name of the group is, I forget the exact acronym but basically the trade association for candy. Two thirds of all candy in the United States is consumed by adults. So two out of three gummy bears are are, are going to adults. So why are you saying this is marketing to kids when clearly adults like this stuff too? Have you ever visited a Walmart? Have you seen the people shopping there? Come on. People like candy. Adults like candy. That, that is not prima facie a- evidence of marketing to kids. Another another one that was cited, and this was funny, was uh, in his slideshow a little later, he shows a picture of an ad that you'd see in a, a typical trade mag or a you know dope magazine or whatever. I shouldn't pick on dope. I don't know if it was in their magazine. But you know, one of the you know weed magazines of uh, a scantily clad woman. Right, with uh, you know medical recommendation or whatever, and that was supposed to be marketing, marketing to children. It's like, no, it might be marketing to young men, who, as of the age of eighteen, can get a medical marijuana recommendation in the state of Colorado. And and to say that the picture, you know, pictures of scantily clad women are only marketing to young men. Excuse me, I'm forty eight. I I was, um, let's say I wasn't offended by the pictures. And if I was offended, it wasn't for the reason of them being scantily clad women It's for the sexism and the marketing as if scantily clad women don't appeal to older men or lots of women for that matter. I digress. Let's get back to some of the Kevin Sabet audio here and and, and other
11: groups uh, vulnerable to addiction as well. Um, there has been a huge tide of money. Uh, around the world, actually. It's important to mention this because we we don't hear about that. Um, And especially around in the United States uh, by this industry and by uh, lobby groups with industry folks on their boards of directors um, often calling for an end to the war on drugs or a health approach. And then unfortunately, when you sort of dig a little bit deeper, you see the money is really about um, something much more pernicious, I think, because I don't think any of us want to see those who need help incarcerated or criminalized for what is essentially a health problem. But we also know that health problems are not ameliorated when we support them, uh, when, we, you know, when we promote the, the actual disease, uh, which is what we're seeing.
2: Uh, many of you know uh, that- See, this is, this is where he's, this is where Kevin Sabet lives. And that's why I don't think he's like, to be a bullshitter, you have to know that what you're saying is bullshit. And I don't think he thinks what he's saying is bullshit. I think he believes it. That people that use marijuana have a disease. That's the way he sees it, is that drug abuse is drug use, that any use is abuse, that using drugs, just the the act of taking drugs, the idea that you as a sober human being would want to alter your consciousness is right there what he's against, is this idea that you'd change your consciousness. Well, you must be sick. You don't like yourself the way you are. You, you, you hate being sober, therefore you don't like reality as it is, and that's a sickness. And there's people that think this way. And I, I believe that's where he's coming from. You see it in the, in the background of all of this rhetoric. He just said something to the effect of that we're promoting this disease by, by legalizing marijuana. No, you're recognizing that a whole lot of people already use marijuana. They already do. It doesn't matter if it's a disease, a moral failing, a health choice, a smarter alternative, all use is none. Yet. It doesn't matter why they're using. There's 28 million of them already doing it and they're going to keep doing it. You're never going to stop them from doing it. I was smoking a joint two blocks away from the United Nations that just had a big discussion about enforcing international drug treaties that made what I was doing illegal. They're not going to stop it. There's already 28 million. So the question is how do you deal with all those people that are going to keep doing what they're doing? And if they're going to keep doing it, somebody's going to keep supplying them. And if you don't legalize it, the market side, you're going to have violence you're going to have corruption it's an immutable law it's just we've seen it in stark terms in Mexico in Nicaragua in Honduras we know this exists in every city in America the evidence is quite in we don't need a whole lot more study or introspection on it if you don't legalize the market Criminals own the market, and criminals with money do bad things. We'll come back with more Kevin Sabet when we return from South Carolina. We're live. I'm Radical Russ. Stick around.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: Awee Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. More flavor. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show.
2: Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado. At the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic. At the 26th annual Boston Freedom Rally. At the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live
0: at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year.
2: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
0: Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Live from South
2: Carolina, where I just finished eating two Pixie Sticks. Remember Pixie Sticks? Just the powder in a stick, right? Great stuff. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is... It's, It's interesting how over the past week I've stayed... Uh, in the guest room at Keith drops house, founder of normal. And then I went to a hotel room in midtown Manhattan. That was like a bed and then a foot around that bed, right? That you could walk around and then a little bathroom tucked off the side. Right. And it was $91, which was I'm like, Oh, I got a midtown 91. Right. I wanted to get it for the next day. I looked up on, cause I got it through hotels.com. Right. And I went online to see if I could extend it another day. Second day. $988 for that room, right? So I had some sort of wicked ninja got it last second they had to sell it or else deal. <laughs> and I didn't get it the second night. And then the next four nights I spent in an Airbnb in Long Island City um, off of Crescent Street off the Queensboro uh, Plaza that was like. This, this two-bedroom apartment that had been subdivided into four rooms, and each one was being Airbnb'd by somebody, and you never saw anybody in it, and like the living room and the kitchen were always empty. It was really weird. And again, my room, bed, one foot of space around it. That was like 41 bucks a night, though, so I got to stay in New York for that pretty cheap. And then I go from there to a Hilton in Eugene. Two big plush beds and a wonderful shower. It's all nice. And then from there, I end up here, which is the best so far. This is the best so far, i got to say, because there's house burgers, there's pixie sticks, and there's dabs, and it's just a wonderful thing. (laughs) All right. So uh, let me get to the uh, Kevin Sabet audio. Got some more of this from the United Nations General Assembly special session. Here's some more Kevin Sabat. In in
11: 2016, November of this year, several states will be voting on this. And uh, right now in Vermont, especially, there's a very rigorous debate about what is happening. Uh, We are very concerned because we know that, and this is actually, these are statistics from Europe, but it's the same in the United States, heavy users dominate the the overall consumption of marijuana. And I'm glad we have people here from uh, Dr. Lanou uh, Lanou here from Colorado who can also talk a little bit about this, but what we're very concerned with is that actually the, the sort of, um, the most users of marijuana, and, and really this is true of all drugs, uh, don't, and including alcohol, aren't ones that are using it every day, or actually using it in, in, in you know, sort of near daily use. But the small proportion, and in this graph we see here 20%, the small proportion of the people who used it in the past year, who use it almost every day or every other day, uh, they are the ones responsible for consuming the majority of the total volume of the drug. And um, so 20% of Europeans who smoke marijuana or use it close to every day are responsible for using 76% of the total uh, amount. And that's.
2: Yes, and 20% of the drinkers are those who drink 80% of the beer. And 20% of the smokers are those who smoke 80% of the cigarettes. And 20% of the potato chip eaters are the ones that eat 80% of the potato chips. And 20% of the people who buy fur coats are the ones that buy 80% of the fur coats, and so forth. This is something called the 80 20 rule. The Pareto principle it applies to just about anything for which there is a market. Now, Kevin wants to push this as his big marijuana point. The idea being that these industries, knowing that most of the consumption of their product happens among a small group of very committed consumers, are going to target those consumers. So, you can find analogs to this in the targeting of alcohol, toward young binge-drinking people, college-age binge-drinking people. You can find this in the targeting of fast food to people of lower income and people uh, with more obesity and so forth. So the idea is, like cigarettes, that those were targeted at young people to get them addicted early, so they'd be lifetime smokers and heavy consumers of cigarettes. Likewise, there's going to be this push by big marijuana to have these consumers built young. We're going to market the marijuana to the kids young so they can start for a long time and be lifetime smokers. That's, that's the idea. Now, the problem with this thinking is that marijuana is a product that's far different than cigarettes. See, big tobacco had to lie about its product because its product is toxic and it tastes like shit. It tastes awful. When you first smoke cigarette, first time anybody who's ever first smoked cigarette, it tastes like shit and usually makes you dizzy and hack and good. It's just awful for most people. So how do you get someone to keep using that product? Well, you got to do marketing. It's got to be something that makes you adult. Something that makes you cool. Something that makes you sexy. Something for which peer pressure can make you want to conform to using that product, and indeed, that's what cigarettes had to do. They had to make it seem cool, had to make it, you know, the the signature of the bad guy or the the femme fatale, and, and the young people wanted to copy that and be, be seem more adult. But what we've seen recently is an incredible decrease in cigarette smoking, especially among the young, as that marketing has been attacked, and as Young people got the real information about what cigarettes do and how harmful they are. Now, to try to apply that model to cannabis doesn't make a lot of sense because cannabis is neither toxic nor highly addictive. And also, it's a pleasant thing that has, for many people in many circumstances, medicinal benefits. You don't have to lie about this product. You can tell the truth about it. The problem is to people like Kevin Sabet, telling the truth about it to them sounds like marketing, sounds like trying to falsely create a desire for a product. There's nothing false about the desire for marijuana. It, it's a very valid desire. Our bodies have an endocannabinoid system. We like to feel good. Sometimes you get the blues. Smoking a joint seems to make you feel better. Sometimes your back aches from a hard day at work. Smoking a joint might make you feel better. Sometimes you want to enjoy a meal or a concert or some great sex and smoking a joint makes it feel better. We're not bullshitting. We're not marketing this. We are telling the truth about this thing. And most of us, most of the more responsible ones of us are willing to concede that it's not for everybody and it's not for every circumstance. Some people shouldn't be smoking and some people are smoking too much. I'm willing to concede that it's not for me to decide if it's too much. I mean, it might be in my opinion, might not be in their opinion, seems to be affecting their lives in negative ways, but I think everybody has a right to live a negative life if they want. That's one of the problems I have with some of our laws and some of our vision uh, in how we deal with others is this idea that we all have to live up to some sort of ultimate potential, right? That, that we're not allowed to fail, that we're not allowed to live substandard lives. Why not? That's what freedom's all about, isn't it? (laughs) Freedom to be who or whatever the hell you want to be, even if it's not the best you, you can be. Maybe even if it's the worst you, you can be so long as you're not harming others. You have every right in the world to harm yourself. That's the way I see things. Anyway, let's go back to Kevin Sabet, see what he's got to say.
11: if you're in the issue, uh, if you're in the business of uh, making money off of these kinds of activities because you need to focus on those people who are the majority and the lion's share of your profits. You're not focusing on the person who, you know, um, wants to use it once or twice a year. You're not focusing it on sort of later users whose brains are pretty solid and aren't really going to be changing in terms of as vulnerable to addiction as they were if they were younger, you're focused on those that are that are really going to be the ones bringing your, your profit share. And in the U.S., overall marijuana use has been on the rise in the last decade since legalization and sort of much more, uh, I would say, commercialized medical marijuana programs have been widespread. You know, you can't really paint such a broad brush of this issue of medical marijuana. In the U.S., uh, They every state it really is a cornucopia of different sort of implementations. Uh, Here in New York, for example, uh, you cannot buy smoked marijuana for medicine. It is extremely limited in terms of where it is and who can actually dispense it. Well, west of the Mississippi, most of the states, if you say you have back pain and you go to somebody who's not a doctor, you can actually still get um, really uh, 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 smoked
2: marijuana. uh. Okay, so that's a, a gross misstatement right there. So west of the Mississippi, uh, that would include Colorado, and that would include Nevada and Arizona. Now, I know in Nevada and Arizona, they have fairly strict uh, condition lists that you must qualify under with a doctor's recommendation, not a not a doctor. Uh, Oregon, similarly difficult, similarly difficult. Sorry, having trouble with my enunciation. Similarly difficult with uh, Oregon. You have to have a doctor's recommendation, and there's a strict qualifying list. Washington had been a little lax. It's getting a little stronger, but uh, and then the most lax would be, of course, the famous California experiment. Uh, Alaska, though, has a fairly strict condition list, and Hawaii has a fairly strict condition list. All of those states west of the Mississippi. Oh, yes, let's not forget Montana. Montana is a strict condition list that's gotten even stricter under its most recent legislative changes. And New Mexico, let's not leave out New Mexico, with also a strict condition list where one could not just walk in somewhere to a not a doctor and say they have a backache. I get so tired of that characterization by Kevin Sabet uh,
11: for, for your supposed ailment. So what we've seen since those programs have spread is essentially an annual growth rate of close to 6%, an average annual growth rate, um, and, and really in the U.S. we're seeing the overall use go higher. We are concerned because essentially your brain is in, under constant development when you're an adolescent, and you know, here um, uh, you can see from you know, age 5 to 20 what your brain's looking like, and you know, at, while it is, uh, your brain is sort of figuring out who it's going to be for the rest of its life, it's vulnerable to, to things that can come, that come into contact with it. By the way, good or bad. I mean uh, if you learn a sport when you're um, you know, five or 10 years old, you're more likely to be a lot better at that sport throughout your life than when you're, if you start when you're 50. You learn a second or third language very quickly when you're four or five, much easier than when you're 40 or 50. Well, the, the sort of double-edged sword part of that is that you're also more vulnerable to addictions, of anything of any kind. Um, of, of, of all drugs. And what we know about cannabis and the excellent WHO report summary we just heard talks about the different specific regions in the brain um, that affect, uh, that are especially vulnerable, vulnerable to marijuana. And I think what's so, one of the sort of interesting things we heard about the, the truth that there are have, no been, have not been fatal overdoses, although many overdoses, but not fatal overdoses uh, from marijuana resulting in stopping and breathing. What's interesting is here actually, if I can get the green, there we go. We, as you see, we don't have cannabis receptors, cannabinoid receptors in the brainstem, whereas we do for opiate receptors. And the brainstem actually regulates your heart rate and breathing in that way. Uh, so the, the reason we don't have the fatal overdoses is not because sort of one thing is less harmful than the other, whatever. It's because actually that mechanism in the brain that would stop breathing isn't there, thankfully. Uh, in terms of the cannabinoid receptors, it is there.
2: So uh, Kevin Sabet is thankful that we don't have any cannabinoid receptors in the brainstem so the smoking pot would uh, cause us to die. Do you think we'd still be smoking pot if we did, if it was? Co- God, <laughs> oh, jeez. <sighs>
5: well,
2: there's so much you can listen to. We're going to come back, wrap things up here, live from South Carolina. I'm Radical Russ. Stick around. We'll be right back after this.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com.
1: with orange hill contact orange hill for consultation today at Orangehilldevelopment.com.
0: normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use if cannabis use is causing problems in your life consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use cannabis use is not without risks even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham.
0: Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis
2: business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email fireduplawyer
0: at gmail.com. Pod 2.0 Not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Rush Belleville Show on cannabisradio.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Live in South Carolina. We'll be here for the next couple of days. There's apparently a event happening, an event happening in Rock Hill, South Carolina tomorrow. I don't know whether I'll make that one. And then on Thursday, an event happening. At the State House in Columbia, South Carolina, in the morning. And I think I'll probably make that one. We'll go to the State House, Columbia, South Carolina. Reaching out to all the South Carolina listeners out there as well if you'd like a chance to meet up. Maybe we could have a lunch, some sort of get together while we're there in Columbia. That would be pretty cool. And um, then he- heading down to Atlanta, Georgia. By way of Dahlonega, but we'll be heading to Atlanta for the Unity Torch there and then making my way to Miami, Florida, May 1st through the 4th, I believe, and there'll be one of those Unity Torch events down there in Miami as well. So at any of these stops along the way, if you're in that area and you'd like to meet up, I love meeting up with fans from all over the country. John Chambers was in our chat room just a little while ago, got to meet up with him in Eugene, Oregon. And uh hope you had a good time there at that party, John. Uh, I had an extra party pass, so I made, managed to slip him an extra party pass. I hope that worked out okay for you. But it's always fun meeting people because, uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe sometimes that this is my life, that this is my job, this is what I do. And it's always exciting for me to bring this to you. We'll be having an update to the RadicalRest.com website as soon as I can get to it, which God knows when that'll be. But um, we're looking to update that. If you are a web design company, speaking of Orange Hill, but if you are a web design company and you'd like to sponsor my web redesign and get all the shout outs in the world on my show, uh, give me a call, give me a ring, send me a note through any of the social media, Radical Rest here. I would love to outsource my web redesign to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, can make it all tablet-friendly and shit. My web skills ended in the early 2000s, folks. I know my limitations. So uh, need help for that. need to build a, a blog-heavy, uh, podcast-friendly sort of interface. That has a VIP section with premium content only accessible to VIPs, special newsletter for VIPs, that kind of stuff. You got any ideas? Let me know. Radicalruss at gmail.com. That's all the time we got for today. Live from South Carolina, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Rust Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You take
1: <speaking> a scene,
0: you plan it, you grow it,
1: you try it, you're it, you scone in. You take a scene, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you're it, you scone in. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you're running, you scroll in it goes down to school.